What's happening, y'all? This is Ty Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, we're bringing you former Alamany High School coach, head coach for 16 years, was at the school for 18 years, state champion, CIF champion, a friend of mine, now a financial professional, um, coming all the way from Atlanta, kind of, back yeah. to L.A. Yeah. Bless us with the show, Trey Meeks. My man. My brother. What's poppin'? Man, nothing much, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I, I appreciate it. I've been watching this. I love what you're doing. Love what's happening here. And uh, I'm excited to be on the, on the show with you today. It's awesome. Absolutely, man. We start every show with a wall of hoop movies. Wall of hoop movies. Your favorite movie, hoop movie, and why? What you got? There's so many favorites. I can say, man, there's so many good ones. The most influential ones, I'm going to pick two, right? right? So initially, I would go with Coach Carter uh, because that was fun. Um, and being a coach and really seeing uh, what they went through. A couple of my boys was on that. Shout out to C. Young uh, for Chris Young out of the Dream yep. League. That's my boy. He's in that. And uh, Chris is going to be on the show next oh, week. Oh, yeah. See yep. Young. Ghetto. What's up, boy? <laughs> And um, Finding Forrester, because mm, yeah. it was a hoop movie, but it was also a, a, a movie about a guy uh, basically getting out of his comfort zone and moving to a space that was not just about hoops and learn how to be a young man. So I love that one, too, um, amongst the other ones. But those are the two right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Coach Absolutely. Carter and Finding Forrester. Did you start naming your plays after women after watching Coach Carter? <laughs> I didn't, All right, but I did think about it. But it did, it did make me want to be more creative with my play calling. That is true for sure. I didn't have no Delilahs or nothing like no, that. No, 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 okay, cool. Um, so, man, you you coached for a long time mm -hmm. in the Mission League, one of the toughest Crazy. leagues. Definitely, when you were coaching, uh, I would say the toughest league between you and Trinity mm -hmm. during that time. Yeah. What was that experience like over those 18 years of, you know, being put in as a head coach, you know, pretty early in your career and early, uh, yeah. surviving that long and not only surviving, but thriving in that league? Man, the Mission League, <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it's a dog eat dog world. You have to elevate your game. There's so many good coaches in that league over the years um, that it forced you to be the best version of yourself. It forced you to learn how to strategize and, and create and learn and grow and steal, right? Mm -hmm. uh, some of the stuff I stole from getting my butt kicked <laughs> early on from us um, getting whooped and learning how to be a better coach. It, it just it stretches you beyond imagination. I, I couldn't think of a better league to coach in because the talent is undeniable, but the coaching is the strongest to me in the nation. I mean, you look back at the history and the success of the Mission League, uh, I think almost every team in the Mission League has competed for a state championship. Mm. Almost every team. Yeah. If not, and, and won it, most yeah, of I them. Think so everybody has a state championship. If not, it's yeah. really close. And, and I don't think any league can say that. Yeah. Um, so having the, the, uh, the opportunity to coach there was just unbelievable. When you look back on it, it was, you're in it. You can't, you know, outside looking in, you say like, wow, that was fun. So, yeah. What were the key components that kept you competitive in that league, right? Like, what what is it that, you know, you're, you're against the coaching, so what gives you that upper hand and what keeps you competitive? Ooh, um, I think what keeps you competitive is, first of all, you got to have guys that can play, right? <laughs> I don't care. Any any coach worth any anything is about the players, right? If you don't yeah. have the players, it, it doesn't matter. So having the players that can compete, but then um, holding a standard and really creating a culture. That's the one thing I, I, I feel like we accomplished at Alamany is we had a culture of success. Yeah. And even when we weren't winning, we still had a culture of success. And I think that uh, creates consistent winning as a program over time. Absolutely. So I think that's the one thing we did that, that kept us uh, attractive to other players to want to come, that we had a culture of winning. Yeah, I think you had a specialty. What I always saw was you were the best developer of point guards in the Mission League in the Valley, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, you had one after the other that were college-level players and ready to play when they, and did things in college. You know, from Max was probably your first point guard who yeah. did it, and then until DJ was the last right before you retired. Mm -hmm. Brandon Whitney. Oh, Brandon. Brandon Whitney. Brandon. Exactly. See, so yeah, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. And it was just a line and of Nico them. Ponce was the last one, kind right. of. So, yeah. yeah. Just coming into their own and, and 
What is it that you think it's, if there was four or five things that were the key development pieces for a point guard, what were they for you in Alamania? Um, the leadership. Um, providing the leadership and the ability to uh, take responsibility for your team. Um, I, I used to have a saying, like, you get the keys. And I gave all these guys the keys to the team at a certain point. Usually going into your junior year, you usually had the keys. Uh, so wait, you had to wait to play, be the lead point guard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because yeah. a lot the only of freshmen one, step in now, the only they, one that, they get the keys right yeah, away. Yeah, right away. Uh, the only one that had them right away was Max. Mm. He kind of, he had, not he kind of, he had them early. Yeah. Um, but he was ready for it. He was, he was ready to play. Um, I love that story you tell me. Tell me that Max story, man, of how you knew he was ready. You tell me this story when he was in a game. Oh. And you, yep. Yeah. Uh, where were we at? We were in, what's the tournament? Torrey Pines. Mm-hmm. And we weren't playing in the top division. We were playing in the the Gatorade division, the President's division. I don't know. It wasn't the, <laughs> it wasn't the top one at all. And we were down one late in the game. I think this is the story you're talking about. We were down one late in the game, and it was about, I don't know, 18 seconds left. 18 seconds left. Max up top. I flattened everything, gave him the rock. Go do your thing, right? Because he's going to make a good play. Mm-hmm. And he attacks too early because we didn't want to give them another chance to score so he goes at about 12 seconds and he attacks and he breaks the guy down I said no too early and he backs the ball out and dribble in within a dribble like while attacking he backed it out and waited about four or five seconds and I think he made a layup to win the game but the yeah, fact man. that he could hear he had I had his ear at that early stage as a point guard mm-hmm. freshman and his ability to go and go, stop stop and bring it back out and it was it again. and That's I was wild. like oh he's He's ready, and that was before even league league even happened. That was a preseason tournament, so yeah, that was that was special. I was like, yeah, he he he's gonna be all right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he I started saw. that lineage of just he set the bar mm-hmm. for point guards, and then he he did he was the one that said, okay, now I'm gonna help develop the next one. He he understood his role when he got to his senior year. It was Brandon Boyd. Yeah. Right. B Boyd, who's playing overseas right now, making mm-hmm. money. Right. Yeah. And then it was, and then it just kept. Going year after year, every two, three years we had a, you know, we were blessed with some really good guards, man. Yeah. And I think that was. Great kids, like great, great humans. That's what Absolutely. I, I know every single one of them. And I wasn't even around when most of them were playing for mm-hmm. you, but all great people. And, and great families. Amazing. Yes. And, and even better families. And I think that's what the separating factor was. I still talk to some of these families and every day we 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 converse not daily but every once in a while we touch base and how you doing and things like that so they they came from great stock so that 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 was the blessing behind it yeah Yeah. so you have leadership what else was it do you think Uh, accountability um i used to uh i used to anytime there was a a breakdown in communication on the court it's the point guard's fault Mm. if there was a play that wasn't ran right it's the pg's fault like what are you doing Right? Why isn't your big man in the space he's supposed to be? Um, so being able to be accountable for that and taking ownership on the court, because we're there. The PG is the extension of the coach. If they're not directing traffic and taking ownership and being in a space where they can help people grow, they're not a good point guard, in my opinion. So the leadership, the accountability, and then you got to have some toughness. Yeah, I have a question have about accountability before okay. we get the toughness. Okay. So I think it's important for other coaches to hear. What does accountability look like? Does it look like sitting on the bench? Does it look like, what does that consequence for not being accountable look like for a point guard that you're grooming? Uh, it, it really depends. It really depends. It's really taking full ownership of, of everything, taking full responsibility. I'm responsible. So in, in my opinion, if you're, when you're held accountable, it could be on the court. Like I could hold someone accountable um, on the court, but also they could be benched too. Right. Mm-hmm. It could be like, man, you're not ready to play. They have a seat and let someone else sometime that. And, and you have to know your player. Right. Like if I knew that sitting them on the bench would burn their butt. Yeah. Sit down. But sometimes they needed to play. Yeah. And, and learn from that mistake and maybe have two turnovers. Now, if they had three, they probably sat down. But <laughs> right. you get what I'm saying? Yeah. But they may. I used to always tell them they can make it up on defense, too. So I held mm-hmm. them accountable that way. So you made a mistake. Make it up on D because that allows them. Because if you turn the ball over and get a steal. It's a wash, right, right? right? Now, late in the game, it's a little different. But, you know, first <laughs> quarter, situation. second quarter, it's a little different. So holding them accountable was and, – and then hold, and then because they were held accountable, guess what they did? They in turn held others accountable. Mm-hmm. And if they had the leadership respect from their teammates, it made the engine go. 
So awesome. that's what we had. We just had some great people to do it. Yeah. All right. What about toughness? You were saying toughness is the next one. Yeah. And then that comes in, that comes in preseason conditioning. Yeah. Right. They had to be one of the toughest. They had to be. We used to run these things. I got them from shout out to Bill Bedgood because <laughs> Bill Bedgood is the one that that gave me the opportunity at Alamany. And he, he, he taught me a, a bunch of things. But one of the conditioning drills we had called striders. And any Alamany guy that ran them, they hated them. It's a sprint, back pedal, sprint, back pedal, sprint. Uh, sideline mm. of the football field. Right, so oh, sideline to sideline on the basketball court. Yeah, yes, yeah, on the football field. So a sideline to sideline, <laughs> right? And you hated them, but you saw what people were made of, mm. and the 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 time, whatever the time slot was, it got faster and faster. And the only break they got was the time from one coach walk from one sideline to the other, because we had to make sure they run through the tape and things of that nature. Um, but they were allowed, if they broke a certain time, they could get shave one off, shave two off. Okay. And the number of striders increased as we got closer to season. So say we started at 10. By the time we ended the season, we are at 21, 22. Jeez. And the toughness, and not just the toughness of you finishing, but if you see somebody lagging. Mm. Because if everyone didn't finish the time, then it didn't count. Man. So you wanted to again. see the leadership yep. and the mental toughness. I remember one one... One time, I remember uh, a guy was struggling through striders, and one of our point guards, Brandon Davis, um, he was such a stud when it came to conditioning. He was a stud. And I remember him standing in a Superman pose while another guy was leaning on him. He just, just leaned on me. Wow. And the dude was about to throw up, just lean on me. And I was like, this dude, he has the mental toughness, right? So yeah. having that as a, as a point guard was key. Yeah. Man, that's awesome, man. I think um, the your the the reflection of their leadership is a reflection of your leadership, and you know I know me and you discuss all the time just personal development. Yeah. And that piece, what were you doing for personal development in your coaching days mm -hmm. that you think uh, just I kind of kind of um, your cup was over full because you're pouring into these young men and you can see it player after player. Not just your point guards, but all your players mm -hmm. um, had a certain resilience to them and discipline and, and, you know, just great character. What was it that you were doing for yourself then that helped pour over into those kids? And I was always trying to learn. I was going to the clinics every summer. I used to be in Vegas every summer mm -hmm. for coaching, right? And, uh, and then I used to question everyone that was successful. So when we were in, I used to go to summer leagues or try to get in these certain leagues and certain tournaments just to ask questions mm. for the coaches. I remember uh, trying to get in a Fairfax tournament before we were even known. And <laughs> Katani was like, oh, uh, we'll put you on the waiting list. We don't really know who you are. <laughs> um, but once we got in, I'm asking him questions. And he was always open. Yeah. to answering any questions. He'd sit down with me, Trey, do this, this is what we're doing. Same thing with Ed Azam, same thing with Coach Kleck at Etiwanda. Like, all those guys that were winning since I had been in high school, right. I was like, why are you still winning? What are you doing? Because it's not just the players. You have a formula for success. So I was always asking questions on Kleck. Kleck um, from Etiwanda was one of my, really, my main mentors from the high school standpoint, and, um, and, and he's one of the best to do it. Uh, defensively, I don't know if there's a better coach, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, but but the Edizams, Gary McKnight's going to sit down in them and talk to them, even if it was a brief moment. Like, how do you do this? How do you handle this? How do you handle a good team? I remember Coach Azam was like, "Dude, if you only have one gym this year, you take them outside." I was like, "Outside?" <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, my kids go outside." I was like, "Really?" Wow. Took my kids outside, you know. So those uh, just having a constant conversation um, with people that are ahead of you and more successful than you and figuring out what, well, how do they create this continued success over time was key for me. So I just asked a bunch of questions. I don't, I think we need to continue to ask questions. It, it right. helps. Yeah. Is there a, a direct mentor or mentors that you had through your career um, that you can like really highlight who had an impact? Kleck, it sounds like. Was yeah, one of them, absolutely. Anyone else? He was, he was, Kleckner was one of the, the, the most influential coaches. I mean, I remember when I first got the job, I called him. And I was like, I got a job. What do I do? <laughs> he was like, A, B, C, and D. Like, start here, right? And he helped me the entire way. Even I remember when we, uh, we were on that state championship run before it even happened, he called me during the season. He probably didn't even remember this, but he called me during the season and said, 
you have a chance. Don't let up. Mm. Don't get complacent. They're good because you don't know how, how, when the next time you'll have this opportunity. So don't let up. And I was like, got it. And I ran and ran a hard practice that day because <laughs> he gave yeah. me that. And then um, from the college standpoint, I had a great relationship because we, we used to go to the same church. And that was Bobby Braswell at Northridge. He took me under his under his wing and gave me some some jewels um, that made me a better coach and saw things from a different level. Um, he was really really influential in that space. So those two coaches, as I was coaching in high school, and then a third one was um, Bill Oates. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know who Bill Oates is, but Bill Oates used to coach at Masters College. Um, he's a very very influential. Um, coach in my life and he passed away a few years ago um but he he was a gem in in, in my space because he worked at the campus um just as a retired guy just kind of helping out but he used to come sit in my practices take notes and oh, we used wow. to sit afterwards and talk to me about his time with John Wooden and and just stuff that you don't get he coached athletes in action so he had a lot of um influential uh relationships in this space and he was a believer so like myself so we had that side of the coaching staff too same yeah. with braswell right mm -hmm. um so having those three guys helped me grow in different stages of my career as a coach was i mean i couldn't ask for anything better so those those three guys there was a bunch of them but those three had a direct impact no that's yeah. awesome that's awesome I, I think it's important to see just as you were being a great coach, it was because the people you surrounded yourself with and you yeah. continued to learn. Yeah. And that, that, that's the impact that you had on the, your players, right? And because they, you could see it, they mentored each other, right? Yes. You had Max, and like you said, then you had Boyd, then you had whoever came after yeah. that. And they keep going, all keep kept going, continue keep going. to take care of one another um, as that, that lineage uh, continued. And it, it still continues a little bit, man. Yeah. Like, Jace McDonald's over there. Like, yeah, they, yeah. they, you know, it's like you can still see it, like that solid point guard. Yeah. Um, that, so many that good guys. Yeah. So many. It's crazy. And they're undersized point guards at that. And it's like, yeah. you've got like, okay, hey, I'm under six foot. How do I get division one? <laughs> Go talk to Trey Meeks. <laughs> like that's, that's yeah. my thing is like, so what, what, is there something extra that they need to do being under six foot wanting to go division one? Cause there's a lot of guys like that, I think. And what, what made those guys so special? I mean, they had some God given talent first and foremost. Yeah. Um, I didn't give them that. They, they were blessed with that. Mm -hmm. um, but I really think the toughness, because as a small guy, you got to be tougher than, a little, than, than most, right? Yeah. Because some things are harder for you. Um, it's things on the court you can't see. Uh, you, had to, you had to work a little bit harder to get, especially defensively, yeah. because you were smaller. That was where people would, especially from a Division One standpoint, you could be looked at as a liability because you're so small. Bigger guards can post you up, things of that nature. But when you had a toughness, it doesn't matter who you're, who you're playing against. I'm the best, right? Yeah. So you can't get by me just like you couldn't guard me. Like our point guards knew the first guy can't guard you. It's absolutely not. Um, case in point, Brandon Whitney, he was telling me, you're the best guard in the state, 10th grader. Can't nobody stay in front of you. And he took that ownership. I, and he played off and he that, took that ownership. pivot foot, man. That kid, I don't know. What so he really just issues, man. In, in getting that in their mind, like you're the best of the best. So really, yeah. and I used to jump on him too. Don't get me wrong. I was tough to play for because yeah. I was on it. You can see it on um, the sidelines. I remember. Yeah, yeah. So I, was, I was tough. But I also felt like I gave them the autonomy to be the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but having the toughness in mind, knowing you can't, you're not a liability defensively was really, really a help, right? So. Okay. How did you keep, you know, you, you go through ups and downs in your coaching career, right? You win some seasons, you lose some seasons <laughs> yeah. over 18 years. I'm sure you had, in the Mission League, you had a lot. Um, <laughs> at one point in time, you were 32 and 33 and two in the Mission League. Yeah, for like a for three, three years, year span. Yeah, like, we, <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. So what, what helped maintain during that time, right? And then is it the same thing that maintained you during the, the time where you guys didn't Yep, win? defensively. Mm -hmm. Literally, that's the thing that kept us afloat because you're always in games if you can play, if you can defend. So in the times when we didn't have a big guy, right? Yeah. We had, we were like, I think Ernie Sears was like our, our, our four. He played the four at 6'3". He was bouncy as all get out, yeah. but he played like the four. Our championship year, I think Bear Henderson was like the center 
or mm. something like that in our starting five, right? And he was six four, six five. Um, but long as you maintain a level of toughness defensively, it'll get you through the lean years when you weren't when you were struggling offensively. Yeah. So I think that was a difference. And then you get a team that can score and play defense because that's what the culture brings. I that's that was a difference. Like we could guard people. So yeah. yeah. What about culturally? Um, you know, I think. <laughs> The landscape has definitely changed even a little bit since you've retired, but definitely was happening towards more the end of your career is this, you know, players and families expectations <laughs> not being met and bouncing around, transferring yeah. in and yeah. out and that stuff. What what kept your culture consistent through all those years? Um, great parents believing in what we do. Really, like trusting in the how, process. How do you get them to do that? I think by being consistent. They knew, I mean, they can go ask anyone, I feel, about how we coached, how my staff and I coached, and you'd get the same consistent information. You get the same output. Like, they go coach you hard, they're not gonna be your friend, mm -hmm. right? right. Um, but they're gonna be honest with you and upfront. And I think um, once you can, you develop that level of consistency, um, I had a, I had a, I always had a meeting in the beginning of the year, went over to Ten Commandments for Parents, Right, and we what's those there. ten commandments? You, you gonna bless us today? Oh man, I don't even remember all give of me, them. Give me, give me. I can tell five, you one or one, or one or two of them was uh, I shouldn't be worried about you during the game, right? Mm. Don't compare yourself with other, don't compare your son with other players on the team. Don't talk mm. about basketball on the way home from after yes. a game. Thank preach. Right, a couple of those things were there, and I got those from John Wooten, uh, one of his old books, The Dematic Coach. I was like, mm. I need these, so I just coined it the Ten Commandments for Parents. He just called them, I think, Ten Rules or something like that. Okay. Just read, talking about development, personal yeah. development, reading those books and like, how can I make my program better? But having the, having that information and giving the, the, the parents the honest truth and them and, and then living it out, right? Not saying yeah. one thing and doing another. I, I think there's a respect issue for that. And, and I think the parents knew that we were developing young men. Reggie was talking about that too. Yeah. Uh, Reggie's my guy. We've been... Uh, friends for a while and just talking about caring about kids and I and I knew we had a space and I knew that God put me there to help um, develop young men as yeah. he was saying the other day and that was so true and that rings people can see a phony a mile away so really going after it and really caring about the individual not just the player um, I think that was a difference in our program and people saw that and we didn't and we didn't I made a point to not quote-unquote, take another transfer if I had a guy that was good. Right. I had a D1 guy that wanted to come in late, and I was like, eh, you can't come. Right. This guy has the keys. He's ready to go. And I saw a sense of loyalty to the people who put 100%, the effort and development in. And 100%. All they're working their tail off. I'm not going to bring a guy in over you, and you've been waiting for this time. So some people said I was crazy. Wait. It worked out. I can give you a couple of instances where right. a guy, I didn't bring another guy in, and that guy killed it for two years. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there were a couple of guys that I could really say, yeah, man, it was, it was, a, it was a difference. I'm glad um, I didn't go there and let you develop into the person you, you wanted to be. So yeah. at the end of the day, though, it's really not recruiting because I think the program recruits itself. Yeah. Right? So I didn't ever go. I, I personally, and people, I had a guy, I had a reporter that just would not believe that we didn't go recruit guys because I was a private school. I was like, dude, the program will recruit itself. Yes. And I remember a college coach when I, the first year we were playing in the tournament and we had just lost to a team that we shouldn't have lost to, my very first coaching game. And he was like, you're going to have to recruit. I was like, the program is going to recruit itself. And he laughed. He was like, ha, okay. And that guy was not coaching a few years later and we went on to coach for a long time as a staff. But um, it was a difference maker. And, and then the other things, we, we had such great coaches on our staff over the years. Yeah. Um, a, couple, a couple of guys that are coaching, that have head coaching jobs. So who's been, under your coaching tree now that's currently coaching? Um, Tommy Blunt was one of, the, one of my guys. Mm -hmm. um, he was there for a year. Yeah. Uh, Mike Delaney, obviously. Brendan Wheeler, who's at Cal Poly. Mm -hmm. Logan Hartley, that's at now. He's at Village Christian. Um... um who else was under my, who was under, oh, Dogham. So Dogham Asphalt, who's at yeah. Cleveland. He was yeah. my last yeah. uh, guy. He's he's doing a great job over there at Cleveland. And uh, so a bunch of different coaches. And they've gotten, 
some tutelage from other places around the years. Right. Wheeler was at Moore Park and things of that nature. Logan's been at with Steve at Campbell Hall. He's mm -hmm. been at Calabasas with Pilar's. So they all got other things, but they were they were together with me. And to have those coaching staff that we had over the years, Trent Morgan, people don't know Trent, but Trent was the backbone of yeah, everything. He was there every step of the way with me. And um, uh, uh, Gil Dominguez, yep. over the years, I just had lunch with him. Gil is he's a savant. Now. He's J at, J I, that's right. Show. I just had lunch with him the other day, yeah. and he told me, um, and he's a savant. Like, people don't know, Different like, mind, man. yeah, people Different don't understand uh, the way he used to break down teams and film and, and, and the technology. And he was the first person that showed me how to apply this, these analytics yeah. to basketball. And, and his mind and having an older guy like him and Trent on the staff were just... Uh, Marshall, who's a assistant coach at uh, Fullerton, oh, yeah. who just won a state championship for right. JUCO, like all these really, really good guys. And if I'm missing anyone, my bad. Um, we just shouting a couple. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all yeah, doing here. your thing. Y'all doing your thing. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's a bunch of good coaches right. that really helped develop guys and helped them get to the next level. And that, that was that because I couldn't do it all. They were better at develop at training like you are. They were go ahead do that. Ernie mm -hmm. Gregoire, how can I miss Coach G? Right. Um, Coach G was a backbone. Now he's he's a track and field guru. So now he's the head coach at Claremont for track. But he was the guy that made sure guys were conditioned. And not only mm -hmm. made sure guys were conditioned, but made sure they were held accountable. He was took that firefighter background and implemented that. Um, Coach G did an excellent job in making sure our culture stayed intact. Yes. Right? So having those guys in place from Kingston and a whole bunch of – Different guys that made a difference in in, in our, our success. I couldn't have did any of it without any of them. So yeah, no, I think man, what I keep hearing is this culture, 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 mm -hmm. right? And I don't think we, maybe not. I think we've seen it when it was happening, but really recognizing it now that you you know you stepped away from coaching and um, you know a, a coach who's starting out to build their own culture mm -hmm. versus what you had is like, oh man, there was a culture here. Yeah, and. Uh, thank you for sharing all that. I think this is important. Like when coaches step in, they think it's about recruiting players. They think it's about the plays they run. They think it's about all these other things when it's actually about the culture that you set and how you're developing young men yeah. and women outside of basketball itself, mm -hmm. right? The X's and O's, like you said, you have people to tell you kind of, or you can just go copy it, yeah, copy yeah, and paste. Yeah. And so that culture piece um, is so, so important. Yeah, I think one of the most underrated uh, aspects of being successful is your locker room. Mm. If that and and a lot of times, if you, when you, when you bring guys in from other places that don't don't understand the culture, your locker room is not intact. Yeah, and there was there was a, a year in coaching that I that we struggled, we sucked, and we had a very talented team. And that's when I really learned, like, oh, it's the locker room. Mm. That's what stinks. The attitude, that's what stinks. Yeah. So it doesn't matter about um, the talent level if your locker room isn't intact. And I realized that that's part of our culture. So I had to make sure the locker room was intact. And if when it wasn't, we didn't do well. Yeah. So that was key. How So you uh, get state championship years, some amazing years. You had some league MVPs, uh, multiple kids, you know, 10 plus division one, um, you know, play even going in different sports, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whatever it was, um, just having a lot of success with the players in the program. And now towards the last couple years of your career and leading into retirement, what was happening then and what made you make that ultimate decision to stop coaching? Well, it was a, it was a God thing for me. Um, personally, it was, it was time to move on for me. Um, I, I felt like I was in, I had given, so much to the game and the school and the kids and the parents that uh, I needed to give more to my family. Um, I have a about to be 14 year old son and I felt like he was in a space where he needed more time with me. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really one of the main factors is, is like, man, he's growing up and he's growing up fast and I can't miss this stuff. Um, so spending more time with him, I still work hard in my financial business, but I have more time freedom than I yeah. did as coaching. Right. Um, especially when you're in the thralls of season. I mean, you go 14, 16 hour days and people are like, well, coaching practice ends at five 30. Yeah. But scout starts at seven right. and then film breakdowns after that, then practice plans are after that. So if you're doing your job, 
you're up 10, 30, 11, 12 o'clock to get ready for tomorrow. Right. So I wanted to have more time there. So that pushed me. And then I felt like it was time. I felt like the, the, the culture had changed just in the landscape of basketball for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was tough for me to coach guys that uh, thought you could just show up and get the result. <laughs> That's not how it works. We believed in old-fashioned hard work. It's not magic. Yep. Um, so I think that landscape kind of changed. I think there's still some kids that still give you that. Yeah. But it was, it was, it, it wasn't the same amount of people that understood that. No, no, because these parents believe they can purchase, or they can power their way to success. Yeah. Uh, because of what they've done personally, it's, it's very interesting. This. Uh, dichotomy you see with parents is like they're successful in their life right we deal in the mm-hmm. valley where there's a lot mm-hmm. of private school parents who are successful in their business so they can pay for yeah. private school yeah and so you see that oh i'm successful but they forgot what got them there the hard work the effort the hours mm-hmm. they put in mm-hmm. and they think they can pay a trainer yeah. and you know put them in a private school and their kid to be set by doing this oh i'm doing I'm putting my resource into them being good mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. teaching their kid the work ethic yeah. that got them, them to where they're at and it's successful, right? And so it's like, yo, are you going to teach them what you did to get that success? Or are you just going to give them success? And yeah. I think that's where the confusion happens. And old school yeah. coaches, you still see them. Doug Mitchell, like, nah, you going you gonna to work. Andre, you going to work. Like, even he could though, care less. like, no, we just going. We best, this is what it's about. Yeah. This is what, like, this is basketball. I don't care about your offers, what school or college you going to. No, nah, we yeah. gonna make you successful here, grind here, so you have some adversity and know how to overcome that, so you can get to that next level where you want to be. That's your goal. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that's what people struggle. Yeah, with. John, John, we 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 both, you know, we both talk. You and I, we're both John Maxwell fans, huge yeah. John Maxwell fans. You remind me of something. He's like, people want to want what I, they want what I have, but they don't want to do what I did. So they, he talks about do the did, yeah. right? If you don't do the did, if you didn't do yeah. what I did, you can't expect the things, you can't expect to have the things that I have now. So I think that do the did is kind of, it's yeah. considered old school, but it's the formula of success. That's like it. you gotta work. It, gotta it work. just, it just can't happen. Like, like you said with Doug, if you don't play defense and you don't play hard, good luck playing for him. Yeah. I've coached against him. <laughs> Right. <laughs> every every play, every possession. Yeah, you better play hard. That's it. Right. So yeah, it, it's it's you got to do the did, and I don't think they guys are really understanding the do the did concept. So yeah. no, I think that's that's important. I, I want to go back to what you said. Is that as you stepped away, you considered your family. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if people know this. Meeks has a big family now. Okay, <laughs> so he's blessed with a most big people family. know. <laughs> <laughs> he has a big family, uh, an amazing wife who yes. is. Um, yes. Fully invested into uh, being your partner, whatever. whatever you have done, and still pursuing her goals and dreams, mm-hmm. which is dope. Chrissy, shout out, shout um, out to Chrissy Joy, yeah, Chrissy Joy. Um, and how did you balance that? Having in the you know thick of your career, you had you know three. You know we started with one, and then four, three, four, five kids during your career yeah. how did you balance that what is your advice for for young coaches with young kids right that's why i don't coach right now because mm-hmm. i got a two-year-old and a four-year-old mm-hmm. and i'm like man i just want to spend time with them yeah. how yeah. how do you sacrifice is the question yeah i think balance is overrated mm. i do i think there are seasons most seasons you're unbalanced so understand in seasons in life not basketball season seasons in life you're unbalanced so there's there were times where christy held it down and we had that conversation i think uh, constant personal communication. We talk about that in our business, CPC. Having that constant personal communication with your spouse and with your coaching staff um, and having them understand where you are in life. Mm. And so my wife understood where we were and she knew it was a grind and what we were shooting for. And so she held it down with, with the kids, with Braden, with Riley, with Mackenzie, because those are the first three. Uh, the other two came later in okay. coaching. Yep. Like Tyus came later. He, he was there too. And Maximus, he has no clue, right? Yeah. He's two. Um, but her understanding that I was going to grind it out and her unwavering support the entire way, the entire way. And, and then when I transitioned out, it shifted, right? And then the coaching staff understanding, like I used to work guys out at six in the morning, but when I became a father and I'm like, ah, eh, 
can you guys take it? But have some great guys that'll come in and work guys out. So using my resources too was key. Mm-hmm. So the support of my wife and then the resources and support from my coaching staff. A lot of them were like, dude, we got it. Uh, because they were in different spaces. Some of them were single, so they right. could do the 6 a.m. workouts because right. they can get up. So having that was key. Yeah. yeah. Would you tell a coach who is not willing to be unbalanced to not coach then in Southern California high school basketball? Absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, that's I don't. That's I don't it. think you can do both. I don't think it can be a 50-50. <laughs> right. Like, oh, yeah, no, no, I can't do this because there's going to be a time where you go go 80-20. Mm-hmm. And I knew my time was from November to March. Yeah. We knew it was unbalanced from November to March. September to October where we have conditioning, things like that. I can get home a little earlier, things of that nature. But once we got rocking, because yeah. I'd literally have to go from practice to a scout, right? Practice to a game or come home and spend a little time and then I'm back on film. I was on sports code and things like that, breaking down film. So um, it, it, it is definitely a time. Um, which you'll be unbalanced. And it's going to be the majority of the time, especially in SoCal, right. because guys are good right. and coaches are great. Right. You come unprepared and you will be exposed. You'll get smacked. <laughs> you'll be exposed. <laughs> no matter so. how much talent you got, none of that. I think it's very important for people to understand the expectation of what high school basketball coaching is, especially in a place where it's very serious. Yeah. You know, These families, parents have an expectation for their kids to go to college, whatever level it is, mm-hmm. from playing basketball. Mm-hmm especially in the Mission League, Gold Coast, Olympic League. These, these kids, this is what they do. This yeah. is what they want. Yeah. And so I think it's important for coaches, hey, if you can't do that, then be an assistant. If you can't make that commitment, be an assistant and yeah. find your way within coaching because I think there's some guys out there who aren't fully committed to the job. And I think it's a detriment to your family because you're spending time. If you want to spend time, you want to go spend time with yeah. them. And it's a detriment to those kids that you're coaching. Correct. And I think that and that's one of the reasons why I moved to the financial sector because I, I knew that coaching, uh, it's, a, it's a thankless job, right? Amen. And it doesn't give you the financial stability that you need as well for your family. So a lot of times the assistant, assistant coaches wanted to, to be there more, but they couldn't afford to. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think financial literacy is key because you got to be able to uh, put some money away and save some things and, and create some consistent income to be able to do what you love. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sometime hard too, is finding great. That's why I was so thankful for the assistant coaches I had because it's tough finding a guy when you can only give them a, a, a stipend. <laughs> right. Right. And not a salary. Yes. And ha- and then expect them to give you salary work ethic. Yeah. Salary responsibility with a coach and stipend. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be a, a labor. It's a labor of love for real. So that's why I'm so appreciative of it. Yeah, no, uh, teaching, coaching, and especially in, you know, the school and academic setting yeah. on these lower levels before you go to higher education, yeah. you know, colleges, like you said, it's thankless and it's a commitment. Mm-hmm. And um, you, so transitioning, so you have a, a history in the finance mm-hmm. and, you know, that's what you decided to, you know, retire from basketball and move into. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were the, the, you know, key things that you saw? Um, that you could connect from coaching into your new career. Oh man, I can still compete. You mm. can compete. You can be a business athlete, mm. right? So you can still compete in business. So I, I still compete in business because I want to be uh, the best. Like I've always yeah. wanted to be the best in whatever I, um, I uh, focused on. So I still have that. Um, the, the, the as an entrepreneur, the time spent is key. Talking about unbalanced. Yeah entrepreneurship, you're unbalanced, yeah. right? Even even on the good side and the bad side. So early on, you may be unbalanced with giving a lot of time here and not, and then once you're successful, you're not giving a lot of time. So it's still unbalanced. So taking that into, into it, the work ethic that it needs to get the job done, um, service, yeah. service. I'm still serving, serving as a coach, serve as a teacher. Um, you can't do that without a high level of service embedded in you, right? Same thing here. So I'm taking that service aspect and now we're just financially coaching people, right? And teaching them to be the best of the best with their uh, money and how to save long-term and build yeah. wealth and things of that nature. So I took that same- You got some financial spirit. point guards that you're developing. Financial, exactly, yep, yeah. financial point guards that's leading their families, yeah. exactly, to success and creating generational wealth. And same thing like handing back, like we talked about one guard handing it to the next. Yeah. Now it's just going from parent to kid and kid to grandkid. Um, things of that nature. So taking that into account and then taking it serious, yeah. right? Really understanding that these people, now basketball is different because it's a game. This financial game is not necessarily a game. You're having <laughs> right. an impact on people's lives. So making sure you give them the best of you. 
Yeah. So it's, 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 it's very similar. It's very similar. It's just a different sport, so to speak. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's important. And to see um, the when the ball stops bouncing, I talk to my kids about this yeah. a lot, right? You've probably seen kids who were supposed to be that dude freshman, sophomore year and don't even play basketball anymore. Or yeah. then you see them go through their pro career and then retire and do something else. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for all of us. This ball is going to stop bouncing. You could coach forever. Yeah, you could. You could coach till you retire. Um, I think there's always a time of transition going to happen. And yes. so as the ball stopped bouncing for you in the coaching realm, you know, you ventured off into that finance world and mm-hmm. um, you're, you're serving people and you're developing people still. And I think it's always important to see what's ahead, right? Yes. And for the coaches. And, and some of you coaches, you can do this at the same time. And yeah, You can absolutely. do this as a, as a side hustle to your coaching um, and finding that other thing that, you know, can help provide for your family or just um, build you up, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I think... I think the best thing you have with the position you have in entrepreneurship or that we have is that, man, we're always personally developing. Like yes. it's a huge focus on what, yes. what can I do better with my leadership, my time management, my communication skills. And where sometimes in normal jobs, you know, a nine to five office job, you're so focused on tasks and getting things completed. You don't have time to invest into yourself yeah. inside of your workday. Yes. And um, I think, how do you implement those things into your workday? Like, how do you practice the self-development that you're learning? Man, I pre-plan everything. Mm. Like, my day is pre-planned. I don't go to bed without pre-planning my day. And if I don't have that self-development within it, I it's it's I have a checklist that I have. I, I read a book. I exercise. I read my business plan. Um, I, I make calls. I talk to clients. I do. I have that checklist every day. And if I'm not checking something off by the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I didn't get that done. I didn't do my push-ups. I didn't. I didn't read at least ten pages. I, so I'm always checking myself. It's accountability for myself. Yep. I have daily accountability that I that I go through, and I have a mentor in the business, just like I had mentors in 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 basketball that I talked about. I have been, I have business mentors, a few of them mm-hmm. that um, I can call on whenever I need some some stretching. Right. Yes. I need to. I need to be in a better space, or I'm not where I need to be. Um, so I'm using that as well. Yeah. So that that's the thing. It, it makes a big difference when you're when you're pre-planning your day and you're making sure that you're and even athletes. Like I yes. think I, I, I saw a kid. I, I can't think of the kid's name on on this podcast. And he was running and working out from six to seven thirty every day um, prior to. Uh, you know, I, I can't think of the kid's name you had on here. And he was I go run. I go oh, do my uh, thing. Braden Burries. Yeah. Yeah. Before my, that's on his daily schedule. Yep. He has that pre-planned. He probably doesn't think that his pre-planned is just something that's natural now, mm-hmm. but he was pre-planning his day yep. and making sure I got this in before I did anything else. Yep. Right? So having that, those habits um, consistently can make a difference. And he's killing right now in PJ. I had 20 yesterday. Like, not a coincidence. Yeah, not, it's not because of <laughs> the daily work that he puts in. Yeah. No, yeah. Absolutely. I, I love how you tie that together and, and people just need to see that this the sport, right? The sport mm-hmm. of basketball and what you have to put into it to get the results you want is the same thing you have to do in every part of your life yeah. to be successful in yeah. it and, um, and taking that. So, um, all right. So this is a segment of our show. It's called My Rushmore. Okay. Mm-hmm. You get to put your four people, your top four of My Rushmore. And um, <coughs> the topic we're going to do today is your top four Mission League players during your bout, your 16 head coaching years at Alamany. Yeah, we going to do it. Top 4 Mission League players. <laughs> I got to add a caveat cuz I have we got to go top not even top 4 at Alamany. Just four guys. Well, I I guess we got to start for Mission League, it got to be MVPs. So that kind of levels the playing field. If you didn't win MVP, okay. you can't be in the top 4. I don't think anyone. Yes. So I I'll start with I'll start So you want to do top 4? Alamany. I guess the ones that won MVP, right? So the ones that run MVP in the Mission League from Alamany would have to be Max and Marquise, okay. right? Because they, they got this thing off to the, the stratosphere that it ended up getting to, mm-hmm. the height, that apex of high school basketball. Shaq won MVP two years in a row. Shaquille Dawkins won MVP two years in a row. You got DJ. Oh, man. I think that's... I don't, that's I mean, I don't even want to stop. Like, I got so <laughs> you got, many... You got to pick four. Gosh, like, so I guess... <laughs> That's not necessarily top four, but those the the four MVPs. Okay, the four MVPs. Um, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think anyone. I had a bunch of f- first teamers, but I think right. those are the four MVPs mm-hmm. that we had. They were just 
they were stellar. Yeah. They were stellar. They anyway. So they gave then, a lot of people. And problems. then out so outside of Alamany. Alright, so yep. So your other Woo. four then no Alamany players on your top four mission league of all time. You can add an Alamany player if you want to. This is top four mission league period, and you can include Alamany players. You already did your four. You gave you gave man, the graces to your boys. So. Man, Marquise and Max were just so I, I they were just they were stellar. Um but so was Jericho on that team. So it was, it was so many good players. <laughs> Golly, like Jericho led the led the league and led the state in steals that year. Like Um, all right. There's over 14, 16 years. Know, 16 man, years though. Got, so you got you got London Parantes out of Crespi. London. He was so good. And he was. I remember he not not only was he a talent, he was heady. I remember a game, first quarter, because we were always rivals for like our games were like for a few years it decided the Mission League Championship. Mm-hmm. And I remember a game where he had one of our best defenders on him and he got him his second foul in the first quarter on a shot fake and we would stay on the ground because he always goes there. Boom, called him foul. He said, That's two coach, gotta sit him down. He was, but high school players usually don't think about that during it. He was that heady, like, oh, you got to come out. Yeah. Like, bring the next one, because I got him set down. And so he was just, and he was a big shot maker. Like, London got to be, for my, he was one of my favorites. All right, Um, so we got London. He got London. Later on, later on. London Parenthood, who went on to go to the NBA. Yeah. And he plays overseas or in the G League right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, NBA player. London was good. That's fair. So many good ones. Parker Cartwright, Parker yeah. Jackson Cartwright out of Loyola was so good. Yeah, he was. <laughs> oh man, I haven't coached against a guy who had such great vision, and he wasn't big, he wasn't strong. We used to try to push him around because he was slight. He was lighting the pants that they would say. So we used to try to push him around. Um, yeah, man. And shout out to Jamal Adams for. He used to coach those guys up and have them ready. PG used to get come off. PGC used to come off something, and I remember I was loaded one side because I he had tendencies to do something else, and he countered it. And, and I said, <laughs> "Dude, you're not even supposed to see that pass. <laughs> you're not even not only make it and get into a guy's shot pocket so he can release it, but to be able to see it. His vision was just yeah. unreal. So PGC has to be. I'm naming all point guards because." That's hey, no, that's, but I mean that's, that's what the mission league do though too. But there's okay. so many other bigs though. Like you got Alex Stevenson, you had mm. who you had the bigs, you had big Welsh. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can get to a top four. There London, two. We're at two. We got London, London and you got Parker. Parker. I don't know how you can leave people out. Um You about to. <laughs> shoot. Man, you put me on the spot. On the spot. Uh Johnny Juzang was so good. Yeah. Out of Harvard Westlake, my later years, he was a big guard that could put it on the deck, score, get to his spots. He'd kill you from the elbow. He got to that elbow, it was done. Um, bless you. Um, Thank you. Who else? I, I'll put Johnny in there. Johnny. Um, that was my new, not that new age. Another then, NBA player. There you go. So, and and that, you know, that's, that's not even just, I'm just naming them. I know you are. I'm just yeah. saying this is good. This, is, uh, this makes sense. Um, and then I'll throw, I'll throw, I'll go 4A and 4B with Max and Marquise. I'll just go there. Like, that's, they were so good, man. They, All right. they were so good. So, yeah, state champion, you can't, you can't, yeah, you can't, yeah, uh, they, they, and, and I, and very good pro you probably careers have to after. Go to, you yeah. probably have to go to 10. You only gave me four. It, no, that's probably, it. Stop. That's it. So I'm my four. <laughs> so yeah, let's you hear your four. your four. Let's hear your four. And so I wasn't around the basketball scene really until 2013-14. Okay. When I started okay. like actually paying attention to mm-hmm. the Valley basketball. So yours would be different than mine. I was training kids, but I was just training Brandon kids Williams, and training pros. Alan I was Crespi. in. Yeah, see, my mine, I, I have to go. Johnny uh-huh. is on, on mine. Yep, yep. Um I, shout out to Corporate. Yeah, shout out to Corporate, <laughs> of course. And uh just, you know, three years. Yeah. You know, yeah he did yeah. it in three years and and Shook to Kentucky, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um. Uh, DeAnthony Melton. DeAnthony was good too. Man. DeAnthony from defensively. He De- so yeah, he talented. did everything, and you know, then you know, uh, and he waited too. To well, like the one thing about on. DeAnthony, man, that people don't—he wasn't very—he wasn't super skilled offensively, but he was efficient. Yes. He was super efficient, he knew and he work. and he knew 
he didn't do more than he was supposed to be doing. He still doesn't lead he today. He never took bad shots. He let the game come to him, and he was a stud defensively. And people are like, oh, Deion, I don't know. Like, he wasn't – you wouldn't say pro. I personally wouldn't have said pro. But he wheeled his way yeah. to the league. Shout out to Jay Hart for recruiting him when people probably didn't think he yeah, was recruitable. Wow. And Jay went and got him. And I'm like, nah, this dude can play. Yep. Like, I don't care what you guys say. The and man I think barely it, played his sophomore year and still got drafted. Like, yeah. Just, just that, like, yeah, yeah no, I, I just remember watching some of his and games. Even at, and even at Crispy, he wasn't, like, first freshman and sophomore year, he wasn't the guy. Right. He Junior, senior year, he really developed, and, and Russell White did a great job developing him, as he did with a lot of his players, and really just got him to the next level. And he, But he waited. He was another mm. kid that waited, like, I'm going to wait my time. Yes. And went junior, senior year. Yep. And he didn't quit. He didn't transfer. He None stayed the course. That's it. And it ended up coming, he ended up coming on the other side of it. So, yep. yeah. Anyway, go back to your so I got, got Johnny, D'Anthony. Um, man. Who was it? Uh, man, Shaq was a two-time MVP. I, 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 <laughs> I I'm aware. No, no, there's some people who lit me up. I'm actually, I, my, I, you know what's crazy? It's, it's tough. I might have to go be with, though. Be with? Because when I was coaching in the thick mm-hmm. of it and seeing him up close, he dropped. He, he gave us 40. Against Harry? Harry, he gave us 40. Yeah. Sky had 38, 36. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. B-Wood had 40. In that championship game. Yeah, yeah. Man. And yeah. he, like you said, nobody could stay in front of him. He was good. He, man, he just stuck to the he business. He made the game easy. Yeah, like Remember this, that game I lived? He was like, why are you sitting down? Remember that yes. game? when he was like, why are you sitting down? I was like, he's doing everything. I don't have to do anything today. I got the day off because he was so skilled offensively. I mean, he, it's not a coincidence that he's on the cover of Montana's right. program guy right now. Like, just... Killing he, it. He's the guy. Yeah, so yeah. So for me, be with. And then the Some last. Some of my one. guys, Alamany guys, don't be mad that I didn't name y'all. I, I love y'all. You did. A, you already did a whole different mountain for them, man. <laughs> uh, I got it. There, there was one that that uh, went through my head and left. Uh, I'm trying to think of the school. Who was it? It went through my head. Dang it! Man, dang he even goes there. Y'all don't even know Brandon Robnett. He, that's when I was a JV coach. He was at Alamany, one of the best point guards in Alamany. Um, gosh, Theo Edwards, who's now in the freaking head now, volleyball coach. Now, don't start naming people to be I'm nice, sorry, man. I'm sorry. I just started thinking. forgot <laughs> about Theo. Hey, Shout out to huh? CSUN men's volleyball. He's a head coach at CSUN men's volleyball. He was a, one of the first big dudes in Alamany. Ah, oh, man. I don't even want to. You should put me on Respect. the spot. Respect. That's all good. I love all y'all, man. <laughs> Respect. Um, man, who's my fourth? Man, so you have D'Anthony, Johnny, Johnny, Bewit, Bewit, and who was it? There was somebody. This is thirteen who gave, on. Who gave buckets? Was it somebody at Harvard Westlake? Man, oh, that's who it was. Zaire Williams at Notre Dame. <laughs> Zaire Williams at not Notre Dame. Include him. The only reason that's I didn't include him because because he, he left, left his senior year. Seven, but nope. he was. It was good. His, his, he was. His development from a freshman to a junior was unreal. Crazy, man. Crazy. I remember we played at Notre Dame his junior year, and he made one move the first play of the game. He ripped low, got to the baseline, and what would usually be a high school layup, he turned it over and I laughed. I looked at my assistant coach. I said, that's what they look like. Yep. Like he, oof. I saw him at Heritage during Fall League one day, and it was just like. Yeah, he was nasty. People were telling me, like, yo. He's he's it, yeah. And he's yeah. just pulling up at the elbow, yeah. He was raising up over everybody. I was so and it, he was it was so easy. I was so happy when he left. <laughs> like yes, shout out to that. Y'all was like, I ain't got to worry about him. That well, he was a defensive problem. Yes, because he was six, seven, six, eight. Like he he'll pull up on the little guys and 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 go to work on the big guys. So he was a matchup nightmare. You yeah. couldn't zone him because he shoots it so well, and he was unselfish. Yeah. Get out of here. So that, that's my four for the mission league. That's that's a good during four. your tenure yeah. of coaching because there's some some young now in there now man yeah I get a chance to watch every once in a while and this these uh, kids can play it's real in these there. kids are super skilled yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. and now we're gonna go to our this uh, time in our show uh, where were you when we're gonna go back to your state championship year 2012 mm-hmm. and just tell us about that experience winning a state championship with those guys that you won it with. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, uh, you, um, you know, just taking a school that never done it before, right? Mm-hmm. This is the first one in history mm-hmm. and just your whole experience with that. Man, it was, 
it was a journey and I don't do too much look back because I'm always pressing forward, but um, I do appreciate that time there because it was special. It was a special time in my life. We only had two kids at the time, which is crazy. <laughs> my son was three. Yeah, born in 2009. He was three and my youngest one was like nine months. Mm. Um, and it was, it was a special time because we had, we had four goals. We wanted, to live, we wanted to win a tournament. We wanted to win a Mission League championship. We wanted to win a CIF championship. We wanted to win a state championship. Those are four goals. So we had a healthy obsession towards those goals. I think that's what's key. And my, one of my business mentors talks to me about it all the time is having a healthy obsession. Some, we look at obsession as bad, but we were laser focused on getting there. Yeah. And that, that, that really, uh, I think, set us apart because everything was towards that. Everything, when we set our goals in the beginning of the year, um, we went over what's called a SWOT analysis in business, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, and really just went down what are strengths, what are our weaknesses, where we have an opportunity to get better, and what threatens us from get, not getting to our goal, yeah. right? And running that SWOT analysis was huge Man. for us, and they just, day after day, they just got after it, and they held each other accountable, so it was, it's great being on the outside looking in on that. Um, we had a whole, we got a whole documentary that we get to look back on every once in a while, you pop it in, but really just being in that space and and, and loving every second of it, even the, the trip to the trip to the state championship, the, the, the being in the arena, just trying to soak it all in. It's a special place, man. And, yeah. and we didn't get back there. So it made it even <laughs> more special because it's, it's hard. Yes. It's very difficult to get up there, and um, you also made like six open divisions, and you know that. Yeah, whole, you know, which is great. That, like that's that's an honor in itself, man. Yeah. You should have a I banner, think that's you know, underrecognized, man. I, even these days, like oh, to get sure. to the open division, you should get a banner. <laughs> you should, get, you should at least have some years. Yes. A banner that shows your years because you're you're one of the best teams in the state. Mm -hmm. Forget SoCal because I think it's the state. The open the Southern California open division is one of the better teams in the state. I mean, look what happened this year. With the, the teams that won open division in Division One state, they came from the Mission League. Yep. Right. It just shows the power of our league, but not only that, the open division power. Yeah. Um. So, but going back to that state championship, it, it was a, it was just a great a great time um, to see all the hard work come to a culmination, and um, a lot of good people, a lot of good. I mean, from team moms to 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 parents to administration. I had. Uh, Frank Ferry was our principal. Dave Erbach was my AD, and I, we couldn't have did it without those guys. Orby Hare was my athletic secretary. Mm. So many people from from our, we had a, a athletic counselor. We had we had so many people that came together on one accord to get that job done. It wasn't just the coaching staff and the players. It was a Alamany High School community yeah. that all came together and did everything we could to make sure that we got to that space from buses to to um, making sure we have the right gear we have all the different things that go into it it's not just when you win a state championship man it's not just the coaches and, and the players it's mm -hmm. a community of people that help you get there and clear the way that allowed us to coach that's why organizations yeah. get rings right the whole organization 100 yeah yep yep and we, we did it all the way down to the managers awesome. to the dj to every shout out to dj Malski. we got <laughs> everyone right. um, create that help create that atmosphere of winning yeah yeah it was good all right, and it's uh, the last segment of our show, Flip the Script. Mm. You're the interviewer now. Oh, yeah. Two questions. So we're here live, Elevate Your Game. This is Trey Meeks, <laughs> your co-host for the day, for the minute. So I got uh, Mr. Todd Wilson here uh, today, and we're going to ask him a couple of questions. So first off, Todd, let, let, let me ask you, um, what made you start this podcast? Like, what was, the, what was the reason for doing it? What inspired you to start Elevate Your Game? What inspired me to start Elevate Your Game was the opportunity to gain knowledge and share knowledge. I think in our basketball community in Southern California, it feels distant mm. when there's a lot of personal relationships that we have with each other, but mm -hmm. there's nothing that brings the community together to give the parents and the kids who this whole thing is about the information they need to be successful mm. with their student athlete. There's a lot of bad information out there. Yeah. bad trainers, bad coaches, I call it like it is, bad people <laughs> in basketball who are giving information who have not done it before, who have mm. not won on the highest level. And so I wanted to bring people in and share that, like, 
I'm not your competitor. We competing against, I compete against myself to mm -hmm. be great and to develop people. I want us all to share. Like, whatever you have, your story, your journey is shareable for somebody to learn from it and share that information to bring us all together. And two, is because I saw a lot of suckers out there sharing their information that was weak. And I'm like, if they got weak information, <laughs> I know I could give out good information. And they got a lot of followers and people listening to what they're saying. Yeah. So for me, it was a, a truth serum. Like, hey, let's uh, word on the street. If y'all watch the show, Martin, I want to be the word on the street for right. basketball right. with some respect, right? With I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. I'm not going to, uh, you know, degrade anybody. But yeah. we're going to talk about the real issues in this sport. And we're going to bring people in to give you real education on what's really makes you successful mm. and not all the, the other stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and you, you, I know this show is, is, is a, it's going to be a pillar. It is, it's already a pillar in the basketball community in SoCal. I think it's going to go beyond that. Right. My next question is talk about the role, um, or the, not the role, talk about the importance that your wife plays in your basketball career as a coach. And now you're still in basketball. So you're kind of, you're moving from the, the you went from high school coach to developer and core prep is it's in, in itself a beast. But really talk about how Ashley, shout out to Ashley, makes this thing go and how she helps you get to the next level and be the best version of yourself. She makes me a better man overall. Like she gives me the peace and the confidence to know that um, I can do whatever I, I, I put my mind to. Mm -hmm. And so her support for me, she actually hates basketball. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that is, it's an interesting question because yeah. she definitely does. She's the, she's the fuel mm -hmm. because she doesn't like basketball. Like she doesn't like going to games, especially ones I coach because it gives her anxiety. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, she's just not a fan. Yeah, she's a gamer. Yeah. This uh -huh. is what she does. And I think that's actually what makes us so special is yeah. that we have our own things that we deal with and um, we allow each other to be ourselves in those mm -hmm. roles. So that, and then she just supports, you know, she prays and she gives her wisdom. Mm -hmm. She's a very, very, very intelligent woman and her wisdom goes beyond um, anyone. Like she's the last word. Like, yeah. hey, should I do this? She yeah. says yes or no. I'm listening to my wife because she has the best discernment. She knows who I am. Um, and she doesn't like, she don't like bad people is yeah. the best way to say it. Cause yeah. she doesn't like, I don't like them. They're, they don't, they're not here for you. We're not doing that. And yep. so she discernment. just gives me, yeah, discernment, guidance and peace. I have peace in what I do. Cause she believes in me, whatever yeah. I put my mind to, she's like, I got you, go ahead. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and she just takes care of home. Yeah. Like, it's been a blessing. Early in our relationship, she was she was the breadwinner for a little bit, mm, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And um, she allowed me. I'm like, hey, I'm stepping into this space where it's new. And thank God it took off the way it did. But yeah. she supported me through that one year where I was getting my training business. Mm -hmm, so, you know, I, mm -hmm. I got fired from my job. My training business, she had a real job. She yeah. was paying the bills until I got this going. And now it's flipped where she's able to be a domestic engineer and stay at home yeah. and take care of the kids yeah. and, um, you know, just... Just be my support. Yeah, and and, yeah. and and allowing you to fail. Yeah, man. Right, we <laughs> talking about failing fast, faster, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 well, I have two more questions for you. Okay. Um, first one, what is it? What I we use the term, and uh, my sister in law uses this term in her business, um, and I use it in my business as well. Is 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 pull as we climb. Mm. What does that what What does that mean to you? Pull as we climb. Um, it means that as we're improving, developing, getting better, make sure that there's people that we're pulling up with us. Mm -hmm. And um, I think they have to understand what we're doing, that we're climbing and not trying to stay in the same place. So being able to take those that are, you know, in your circle mm -hmm. as we climb up the ladder, that we pull them along with us. They may be, you know, five rungs down, they may be 10, mm -hmm. but as long as they're growing and moving with us then that's what we should be doing. Yeah, that's good. And then the last question is, um, talk about how you created, how this works. So people don't understand, podcasting is not a one-man job. Oh, yeah, you're the, you're the front, right? You're the face. But talk about the, the, the who helps you make this thing go and how 
she and other people help you <laughs> help you get it done. Talk about that because a lot of times people behind the camera don't get the 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 dues, the props, and things like that. So I want to I I'm always wanting to make sure people get they yeah. do, and they may not know how elevate your game gets to where it is, but it's not just yeah. Ty Wilson. Would I be um, correct? Oh no, it's not me at all. Um, I'm, <laughs> she calls me the talent, and uh, <laughs> it's, her name's Karina. Um, we. Shout well, out to Karina. Shout out to Karina. Uh, she'll she'll put a picture of herself or something in the no, video. She won't. No, she, she won't. Listen, Karina. Karina was a, a godsend because mm-hmm. I've been wanting to do this, and she just said yes. Like I told her the idea. Let's do it. Equipment, editing, videoing, yeah, uh, structure, all the creative stuff. Everything you see is from Karina by Karina. Um, she is a, a family friend. Her and my wife are friends, and we know each other from church from a long time mm-hmm. ago. And um, you know, she, like you said, man, the the what you just said is uh, climb, pull as we climb. That's what she's doing. So she's had because of the energy and effort she's put into this. Uh, many opportunities have come like yeah. really, really quick. Yeah. I'm for sure her. they're just and getting so started. Y'all can reach out to her if you guys want. Uh, We're not know, taking her from here though. Don't, oh, no, no, don't, no. don't pay her too wor- much. I'm not even worried about that. I'm not worried about <laughs> that because that's who she is. Yeah. Her character is. Yeah. She's committed to what she's doing, but the price is going up too. And so if you come, come correct because yeah. as you guys can see, she produces an amazing show. Yes, yeah, she does. And she does it without, um, you know. Like she loves this. She literally, this is her yeah. one of her passions. So thank you, Karina. Shout out always. Boom. Thank you for uh for highlighting her. Yeah, and, man. Um, it, it, it's good to get the people that they don't know really make the magic yeah, happen, right? For sure. Um, so yeah, that's all the questions I have, man. That's, no, thanks, uh, that's man. thanks for letting me co-host this show for yeah. two minutes. Absolutely, <laughs> man. So we got a 24-second shot clock. You can speak into your camera there. Oh. Let the people know uh, how they could get in touch with you and 24 kinda, seconds. 24 shot seconds clock. in. So uh, a Do quick I get a dry erase marker? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mark my whole wall up. Uh 24 second shot clock of what you do, how they could get in contact with you, and oh, the importance, even what you're doing now with uh, you know financial education, financial yeah. Uh, consulting. So yeah, well, um, I'm, I can be found at, at Trade Meets on Instagram. If there's any need for financial education, um, uh, just inspiration, and figuring out how to build long-term wealth and save. Uh, for the next generation and making sure you're properly protected and things of that nature, you can definitely give me a call. You can send me a direct message on uh, Instagram at Trey Meeks, T-R-A-Y-M-E-E-K-S. And shout out to Todd. He can definitely, he's one of my good friends anyway. So if you want to contact him directly to get in touch with me, we'll be definitely uh, excited to help you out, do a needs analysis for you, show you your forecasting, where you should be, where you're going and how you can get there. So shout out, shout out to him for allowing me to have this platform, but definitely uh, reach out to me. We do everything complimentary. So it's not a charge um, for anything that we do. We just want to help people grow financially. Awesome, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you for being on the show, my brother. Yes, my dude. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Elevate your game.